Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in Overstepping Poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zacchaeus? I'm doing good today, my man. Another beautiful day. Actually, it was nice today. We, beautiful weather. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much more of that we'll get here uh, for the rest of the year here in South Dakota, but... I'll take it. How was your day? Uh, it was a it was a great day. You know, for those who are listening to the podcast here, I've already announced on Facebook and on my social media uh, that we're expecting. You know, in yeah. April, so I'm, I'm super excited about that to build my family. Um, it's definitely been a dream of mine. So it's great. It's great. So that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations to you on that. Blessed. I know that's a big thing for you and your family. So. Uh, best wishes to you guys and obviously if there's anything you guys need make sure you hit us up a babysitter yeah a babysitter both need one of those (laughs) (laughs) we got you (laughs) well i want to get into the episode today talk about yet another amazing guest that we have somebody that i've been able to spend a little uh you know different type of time with this individual we coach football together here in sioux falls uh, he's known as V the Noble One, Vani Harari, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, owner of Think 3D Solutions. Thank you for coming on the show today, my friend. My pleasure, man. Thank y'all for having me. I've, I've been uh, I've been excited to watch y'all grow this. Yeah, man. Well, you're. I think you're a big. Uh, for me, at least, my perspective, you're a big part of the growth that I've had over the you know the last few years. Getting into your Leaders of Tomorrow program. Yeah, yeah. Being able to sit down and coach with you and and understand your mind from a different perspective, um, and that mentality, I feel like translates to life a lot of times. Everybody eat because everybody food. Everybody eat you know hey. food, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can getting into this, you know, with that type of perspective, what does that mean to you? If you taking that from football, relaying that to life, what? How could you? Explain that that saying there. Yeah, when we say everybody eat because everybody food, what we really telling everybody is is like everybody gets to eat because everybody can get it. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is just like we're out here in a situation where we're trying to take on the world in the best way that we know how with our squad, and nobody has to do it all. Nobody has to be Superman. Mm-hmm. Do what you can do. We all gonna eat. We all gonna be taken care of, and we're gonna be very hard to deal with. Right. Anybody that opposes what we want mm-hmm. to do because it's when we we in union, right? And a lot of times when people trying to get it, they run they they run in their own race by themselves, and so they vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They don't have that kind of level of connection and support. So whether on the football field, whether in the boardroom, or whether in the streets, if you have if you galvanize with other people who want to get it, who want to come to do work, who want to eat, mm-hmm. and y'all together, mm-hmm. 
Man, that's a problem. It's powerful. That is, yeah. that is. You know, you got to take me back a little bit here because yeah. that's something that I feel like you just don't learn overnight. That's something that's grown on to you by the people that you're around, yeah. um, the people that you affiliate yourself with. So what I want to know is, is from way back, like how did, how did, mm-hmm. how did you become who you are today? Yeah. You know, for people who know me for a long time and you have, it's one of those things where like I, I always was a little bit different than everybody else, at least that people told me. You know what I'm saying? You don't mm-hmm. you nobody wants to feel different, mm-hmm. right. especially early in your life. But sometimes people just say stuff to you that you don't hear them saying to everybody else. Right. And for me it was kind of that old soul thing, how I verbalize things, how I just kinda the my boldness in terms of how I just was willing to do certain things. And I always knew that was different. But for a long period of time, that was a burden. You know, I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, for a lot of people, teachers and you know, people who want you to sit down and be quiet, I was a distraction. Mm-hmm. I was frustrating for them because I had questions and I wanted to challenge things and I wanted mm-hmm. to, to dialogue and do all that other type of stuff. So at first it was it was a little bit uncomfortable. But luckily I had some people in my life, some teachers, some pastors, uh, family members, my uncles, my mother, that created an environment that kind of um, enabled me, mm-hmm. you know, kind of instigated me into just believing mm-hmm. You know that I was who I was, and so, right. it, so eventually, what happened was is that you know the table started to turn, and what I was able to give people started to become value. And what I realized was was the value of social capital. What I realized was was the value of oratory and articulation. Mm-hmm. And then that was a game changer for me. Once I realized that what I had wasn't a burden, yeah. that I wasn't too much. In fact, I wasn't I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And then I, I leaned into being myself and leaned into what my skill set was. And then I realized I had a lane to myself because couldn't nobody do me. Right. Man. Now, I want to you, you mentioned um, oratory. Yeah. Is that what you said? And yeah. then before that, was it social currency? Yeah. What what are those things for the people that are listening? I know there's somebody out there like, what is that? Because like you, I grew up and I always felt a little bit different as mm-hmm. well. But I was always good with people. Like I was always able to talk with people. I yeah. was never the most popular guy, but a lot of people knew me. And over time, I started to realize like that's super valuable. And yeah. to be able to leverage those things and use those things. Can you explain what those? I don't know what oratory is. At yeah, all. so oratory mm-hmm. is, is your you know your ability or speaker. So your ability to speak. You know, okay. Um, Martin Luther King, Obama. Those are great orators. You know, yeah. and. One of the things that I, I just notice things. I'm, I'm observing. I'm a philosopher, so I notice things. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you notice is that if you want history to remember you, if you are not a writer or an orator, history ain't gonna remember you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you weren't a great speaker, if you weren't a great writer, like right, history would get rid of you. And if you just track it, everybody from presidents, founding fathers, leaders, all those other type of things. Mm-hmm. And so I just understood that. And then you know, in terms of social currency. At a young age, I realized, like, everybody who could speak drew people to them or repelled people from them. And what I mean by that was the people who who were funny, the people who were engaging, you saw people draw to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the people who were clear and the people who were um, genuine and the people who were sharp would drive people away from suckers Mm -hmm. and clowns and... Yep. Right. You know, when you could just tell when somebody talks in a certain way that has a certain tone, that's a real one. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And people who can't be around real ones, they scurry. Facts. I realized that just early, and that's one of the things that I wanted to emulate. And then 
you know, um, this pro in, in my youth, like anything, you give a young person a toy, they generally go and misuse it. You know, they go and abuse it. And I had this thing that I was just misusing, you know, and mm -hmm. because I had people who made me feel like I was inadequate or stupid or wasn't as smart as I was or clever as I was or whatever. I was always tempted to make other people feel that way just to show that mm. nah, I'm actually smarter than you, you know, right. and, and that was my attitude. And so I would give people the business sometimes and I was just, <laughs> you know, I was sloppy with it. I was messy with it. You know, right. I was hurtful with it in a lot of cases and my ability to make people feel small is matched now by my ability to make people feel big. And one of the things when you have capacity, when you have a high capacity for something, you obviously have a high capacity on the other side. So right. if you're a person that can really build people up, you're really good at breaking people down too. That's true. Right. And so you got to pick, you know, you really got to lean into one to avoid the other. And I had a teacher that one time I wrote a paper in, you know, I used, I used a thesaurus, every big word that I could. I was, try, I was trying to, you know, really impress him. And he gave me a bad sp a score on it. And when I stepped to him, he was like, you know, who was this for? Me or you? He was like, I was like, you. He was like, it couldn't be for me because you didn't care if I got it. He's like, stop trying to sound smart and be smart. And just the way that he said it, right? Mm -hmm. just what he said for whatever reason, like just click for me. And it was just clear that like, you know, if you are a thing, you don't have to perform that thing. You know, like a toaster is not trying to convince people it's a toaster. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you smart, the way you say a thing, what you put into a thing, the, the, the formation of the idea is going to communicate your intellect. Mm -hmm. right. Not the words you use or any of that other type of thing. That's funny. And that for me was like, boom, that was different. And then there was a moment later in my life where I was in environments with these people that had wealth and power and all these other type of things that I thought that I wanted. And when I would be in these rooms with these people and they would see how people gravitate to me because I had real relationships and connections mm -hmm. with people. And I was really, again, once I accepted my power to be able to make people feel good, Mm -hmm. versus small to encourage people to put a battery in their back versus diminish them. Once I understood that, people just drew to me. And I would be in these spaces with these people who had money and power, all the things that I thought I wanted. And then what just became clear to me is that they wanted what I had. Mm. And that's where my life changed in terms of like my illusions of having money and what it meant to me and all of that turned into vapors. It just was nothing to me because I realized like I had the currency. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that the only currency is money. Yeah, you have something you can't buy. It's certain. It's social. You can't buy it. You can't duplicate it. You can't fake it. You can't do it. So right. it's, a, it's a. Everybody can get money. Right. <laughs> you can't mm -hmm. get. You can't get some of this. And then once you learn that, now it's like okay. Now I realize what I can do with that. And then for me, like money really wasn't a thing anymore. And you realize that in this life, when people can't puppet you with money, you hard to deal with. Right. You know right. Because that's that's. You ain't gonna whoop me. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not gonna do whatever to me. So the only thing you can really do to me is threaten me with reputation and threaten me with money. Boy, when you good in, in the community and you really love on people and you really do right by people, it's hard for them to affect your reputation. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if you don't need their money, it's hard for them to play with you like that. That man. So with that, I mean that was a lot. I appreciate you sharing that and, yeah. and educating me on on those things because I notice, like you said, when you you become hard to deal with yeah. for people, and that's because you're not just falling in line with yeah. with the status quo. Oftentimes, well, with you and where you're at right now with Think 3D Solutions, and we'll get into the story of of your business and all that. But how has that aspect of doing you having that social currency? How has that 
I don't want to say held you back in growing your business, but how has that caused more challenges for you to to get through? I don't know that it has. You know, like we used to think about that in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, like especially because I was working at a bank before we got this jumping. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I said it all of that, and I said, "Here's an opportunity to be authentically myself." You know what I mean? And and even in those environments, I was trying to be, but you could click, you could just tell that that wasn't going to work. Yeah. And so, creating our own environment, you know, I'm wearing hoodies to stuff. Mm-hmm. I started wearing athleisure to stuff. I'm not poloed out. I mean, we started off doing some of that, you know. Right. And then there's a point where the phone wasn't ringing, and you know, an old team looking at me like, hey man, do you think this guy's something? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I remember even our first, first Culture Con, which is the culture conference we put on, mm-hmm. like, people loved it. And But one of the pieces of feedback, almost the only piece of feedback that we had that was negative was about me talking about my hoodie. And it was talking about, like, who does this guy think he is? He thinks he's the, you know, I forget what they said. All right. that and a bag of chips, I think is what they said. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow! You know, and so when somebody say that to you, you know they cornball anyway. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but any any time I get feedback, though, I really try to receive it and, and challenge myself with it. And one of the things that I said was, "Is this is that there are limitations and there are filters." So if I'm late all the time, or I'm inconsistent with my work, or I don't meet deadlines, or I don't give you the value that I say that I do, that's a limitation. That's going to limit me from working with people because mm-hmm. I want to work with this person, and now they're not going to work with me. Mm-hmm. Because they know that I don't do what I say I'm going to do. That's mm-hmm. a limitation. A filter is things that keep people from me. Mm-hmm. So if you're the type of person who knows that I can benefit your organization, I can improve your life, I can improve the lives of the people who you're responsible for, I can make your organization run better, and you would not work with me because I wear a hoodie, that's a filter. That's keeping you from me. Right. That's why mm-hmm. in the world would I want to do business with somebody that think goofy like that? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be brain wrestling with you every day, telling mm-hmm. you to do basic things that people deserve because you stuck on the fact that the only way I could be professional and be good at my job is if I'm wearing a suit or a tie. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just antiquated. Now, you get to do that because you might believe that there's a value that it brings and you want that to be represented in your organization, in which case that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But when you want me to come in and be something that I'm not, that's something that I'm not willing to do because there's nothing more disingenuous than you asking me to come in and be disingenuous. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the difference. So, yes, did we lose business over that? Do we lose business over it now? Probably, potentially. But that's not business I want. Mm -hmm. So it's not really an issue. Yeah, absolutely. So. Typically, when we get into this here, we, we want to learn exactly and have our, our listeners learn more yeah. specifically about you. And I want to kind of take it back because, like I said, every for well, where you got to today, there's a resume that you built yeah. to get here. So I just want to know exactly, one, take us back to where you're from, yeah, how you grew up, household. Yeah. Take us through that. Originated from Buffalo, New York. Um, I always say... Uh, Buffalo refined me, or excuse me, Buffalo defined me, Sioux Falls refined me. So when I moved here, it was middle school, right before high school, and I was rough around the edges for sure, you know. You um, grew up in Buffalo up until that point? Yeah, okay. yeah. So when I came in, anybody that know any, any environment like that, they know when you 12, 13 in some of those environments, that's recruiting age, mm. you know what I'm saying? And a person that age in those type of places is like 30 in places like this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So my mindset was different, but we were at recruiting age. And so my uncle came out here for some military stuff. And at the time, it was the number one place to live. And so my family was willing to give it a shot. My mother would have thrown a dart at a map and went anywhere because we were just, you know, 
home got burglarized, vehicle got stolen, all that type of stuff. And it was just, you know, it was just that time. Mm. And um, so when I got here, like, you know, I was frustrated by being here. It wasn't so much of a culture shock because I did go to a, a Catholic school for a period of time. We used to take two metro buses from the hood to a Catholic school in the suburbs. And there was like four kids of color there. One, me, my brother, my sister, and then oh, one wow. other girl. <laughs> you That's know what crazy. I mean? So I wasn't, it wasn't unique to me to be that minority in that situation, even though I went back to neighborhoods that was almost all people of color. But what would happen is, is that when I got here, like it was one of those things where when I first got here, everybody wanted to tell me their favorite black joke. And it was, mm-hmm. I was a novelty and it was very cute. So when I first got here, I was, I was putting hands on mm-hmm. everybody. Like I was angry. Um, people was trying to play with me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at that time, like anybody that comes from those environments, I'm like, look, y'all yokels are not about to play with me. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was on that. And, so my, and really, to be honest with you, at the beginning, my mother gave me a green light. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? She was, because, you know, somebody called me N-word or whatever else, and, and like, it was just, that was just what it was. It right. wasn't even weird. Mm-hmm. But then there was a point where it was just happening at a frequency that eventually my mother was like, you, you know, you got to educate some people. You can't fight everybody. And that's where it changed. Mm-hmm. Now, our family um, throughout time was always like a foster family. And most of my siblings are adopted and things of that nature. And which was an interesting thing for me in terms of my appreciation for psychology. Mm-hmm. I would uh, That experience was a hundred times, I believe, more useful than most degrees that people are going to get in most places. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that you just learn intimately is, number one, you learn your relationship with love. You know what I'm saying? In terms of where my mother's attention was going. Because people needed more attention than I did. So right. you got to work that in your brain. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm your, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Right. So some of that. And then you just realize, like, the things that people do to people. Kids. Children. Like, the way that they hurt them, abandon them. All of the things that they do to people. And then, for me, it just became so clear how when you see those type of things happening to young people, what happens if you don't interrupt that in terms of what it produces in an adult? Mm-hmm. Right. Then when you start to think about that piece of it, well, it makes it hard to be so angry at adults because you know that that's just a kid that didn't get dealt with, right? that didn't get embraced, that didn't get loved, that didn't get taught. So that was a huge education for me in that particular piece of it. But then the other thing, like a lot of people in our situations where you have to try to carve a path that no one in your past has carved before. And that's a that's a lonely mm-hmm. experience. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Isolating that. And so when I started on that journey was kind of when I was getting into the music and different things of that nature. When, when I started exploring that, and that's how I really started to express myself and learn my voice. And learn my ability to perform and be able to use my skills, mm. but also start to develop my confidence. And that was probably the turn of mm-hmm. when I started to really become who I was. What, even, what yeah. point would you say that was at? That was uh, in the high school, 90s, late 90s. Okay. Um, that it was just like, because even, even in high school, I had a good time in high school. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was that guy that people liked and all that other type of stuff. But it was one of those, one of those spaces where it was like, am I entertaining people? Right. Or are they, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Or is it genuine? Yeah, I had that phase, you know what I'm saying, where I had to just really be like, am I these people's entertainment type of thing? And then after that point where I started, again, developing my confidence, and it was different, where I really was a performer. And I really was on stage doing the different things that I was doing. Right. 
And so I was able to crowd control. Mm. So through that process, you start to realize, like, I can influence this energy. Right. I can control this energy a little bit. And then mm. then that's more when I became the Pied Piper versus somebody that was following the crowd. Away. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's awesome. So because that's when and that is when you started to really do your music more was the end end of high school that time period. Yeah, we were probably the first uh, hip hop probably performed on stage. Me and my cousin Meech, we did How High at Lincoln <laughs> High School, which I'd be asking people, like, where was my supervision, bro? How did, they let me, how did they let me get away with that? I rewrote some of the words or whatever, but we did How High. And we got like a standing ovation at the because they did one for, at the, you know, during the school situation, then they did one for parents. Mm -hmm. And it, like they went off. <laughs> and it was like, Click like that was a narcotic for me, you know right. what I'm saying? Like that went straight to the vein <laughs> where I said, Ooh, ooh, ooh I good. like this, you know. <laughs> and it was a rap, it was a rap for me. And so, we came after that. Then I started working, um, with a producer called Jay Sporte. He was, uh, he there was a half and half studios, which, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, in a couple magazines was rated one of the top 10 studios in the nation, that really was tucked away here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wow. People didn't even peep for analog studio, full digital studio. And he was working with other acts, and I was just a young kid that was around. Wow, and um, I was just trying to get on. And uh, uh, they taught me a lot of things about performing, a lot of things about you know being professional in a lot of ways. And then uh, going into 99 into 2000 is um, is when I got up with the nobleman, and then mm -hmm. we made that okay. thing happen. What and is then, that thing? So, um, you know, Nobleman was a group. Me, Tame was mm -hmm. in there. And then uh, Rote G and Thomas, we was in that group together. And we were like, you know, we weren't the only group um, in the early part, but we were probably the only group that was um, professionally producing things, like mm -hmm. actual album, you right. know, shrink rap, you know, doing opens. Oh, that's dope. You know, really making phone calls, all those type of things. We were probably the first group that was doing that type of piece of it and wow. selling selling CDs hand to hand every Saturday, every Friday, Saturday, we would be out on the loop. We'd yeah. have a bottle of E&J in the backpack and like a hundred <laughs> CDs and we'd be selling CDs hand to hand. And we was doing it so much and what we just realized was, and this is this was important to me as a black man too, is that, um, you know, the cops would come up on us every once in a while. And what we noticed was that they would be like, hey, we see y'all out here really trying to get it. Respect. Mm-hmm. Just stay in the place that's well lit. Don't jam up traffic. Da da da. da. That clicked for me too. That was a click. I have a lot of click moments. I usually remember when my brain go mm, something different there. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is, is you know, and I had adversarial relationships with police my whole life. My first healthy relationship was in high school with a mm -hmm. police officer, um, uh, Officer DeBoer, who was our resource officer. He's the first one that really taught me, to, you know, taught to me with some dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. But then at that moment, I noticed that. Even 12 respected our hustle. Mm -hmm. Right. Click. That's big. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's a big moment where I was like, they not even really swagged us. Because right. they knew we was on something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We wasn't just out here to be out here. Mm -hmm. And they kind of let us rock. Mm -hmm. And we got really popular from selling CDs. And then I was a freestyle dude. So when, so when people didn't. Because back in that day, you know, we doing, you know, you ain't know nothing was on the CD. Mm -hmm. Right. We could be selling you whatever. <laughs> and so sometimes we, you know, I would freestyle or whatever to really draw people in, and I developed my skill that way. Mm. So in terms of being extemporaneous, in terms of being quick with the words, being able to tell stories in really compact ways. 
So mm-hmm. the, the product that I am now that people really appreciate almost entirely came from hip hop. Mm. Almost entirely. That's dope. And it's a big year for hip hop. Well, right? Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. 100th year of hip hop, which is awesome. So I want to talk about that with you 50th, guys. Actually. A 50th? Yeah. Okay, 50th. I want to talk to you about that with you guys selling stuff hand to hand, really taking the music stuff serious. How do you feel like going through that was necessary for you to be where you are now with this business? All of it was. Honestly, you know, it's one of them things why like that's that's why I think we unfuckwittable. It's because who gonna go through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like when you talk about learning how to perform by performing in front of thousands. So what does doing something in front of 150 people do to me? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been in front of 10,000 people. You know what I'm saying? Um, preparing for something like that. Um, writing albums in my head. Learning how to tell a story. And some of the stories that I've told on some of my music are complex. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? About abuse, my relationship with my father, did all these type of things that I had to express, but I had to do it in 30 seconds. I had to do it in 16 bars. Right. So now, what can I do with five minutes? I'm a monster with five minutes. Mm-hmm. Most people, they don't know what to do with that. Right. That piece of it. Media, being in front of the camera, being on the radio, doing all these other type of things. It taught me all of those things. And if you don't hustle, you do not eat. Right. We went to Miami one time. We mailed 3,000 CDs down there. We was in a van, had cockroaches in it. Tamian got us uh, this garbage motel with a door swing out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Where the door, oh, you know, the door swing out, like right. something different. Where the, where, the, where the sheets was, you know, two-ply. You know what right. I'm saying? And we would go out, and Tame being who he is, he would give us all $5. Mm-hmm. And be like, okay, this is what we got. And the five dollars was for change. So if we was going to eat, literally, we had to slang the things. We right. had to sell the CDs. Mm-hmm. We in a place we don't live. Cats is know we running around with cash. Right. Mm-hmm. Thousands of CDs. We on Ocean in Washington Boulevards in, in Miami, and we slanging them things. Wow. So like That's now, like, what's a no to me? Right. Not to mention, even in my professional life, I did collections for like a decade. Mm-hmm. I did sales for like five. What's a no to me? Right. <laughs> it don't mean nothing to me. Like, I'm okay. So I don't have a problem with asking because I had to stand on the corner and ask people for things. You told me right. a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to call somebody up on the phone and ask them for money I, that they probably didn't have. Right. You know? I, I, I'm asking people for money when I don't, I'm not going to give them anything. Mm-hmm. Right. When you do those type of things, the way that it prepares you for those other things, because most people struggle with that stuff because they raw. The idea of picking up the phone and calling somebody, asking for something is enough to cripple most people. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they don't go through the thing that helps them get through the thing. That's the hard stuff. Right. Some of the hard, I remember growing up and going through school, they would always say public speaking is the hardest thing for like most people to do. Most I mean, people, it's a fear. Most people right. rank it higher than death. 70% of people rank it higher than death. Really? Yeah. Wow. As, as they top fears Then death That's crazy There's a lot of power In, in using your voice But that, that's think crazy Think about this for a second If you If you in a court of law Right And you mm-hmm. on trial What type of people Are in jail Or prison mm, People that have 
committed a crime. Theoretically guilty people, mm -hmm. right? Now, is it people who are guilty or is it people that we think are guilty? In the court of law, it would be... It's people that we think are guilty. Yeah. And why do you think this person is guilty? We take this person and we take that person and, we, allow them and to, we put them in front of 12 people or a person mm -hmm. and we say, tell us what happened. Right. Explain the situation and their ability to communicate what happened, mm -hmm. their ability to be able to articulate what went right, what went wrong, who did what, who didn't mm -hmm. is what determines whether or not people think you're guilty. Right. So even mm -hmm. right now, somebody sitting in the box right now because they had a, a good lawyer is somebody that's and sitting in their living room right now. Or, I mean, somebody sitting in the box because they had a bad lawyer, and there's somebody sitting in their living room because they had a good lawyer. Mm -hmm. This person was a better order than that person. This person was better at presenting a case than that person. Right. It's life or death. For sure. It's not just, like, make money. It's life or death. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Mega Evers, Fred Hampton, all of those people, they spoke life into people, and they spoke until somebody murdered them. Yeah. It's life or death. I feel like that's what happens most times, you know, when they have somebody that doesn't go with the norm. Conform. And they, yeah, they don't conform. They do speak up for what is right, and they push that and push that and push that. You know, like you said, it is life and death. When I when we went through the whole, and something I wanted to talk about a little bit was when the whole George Floyd thing happened, that was the first time for me when I felt like the media... And I just felt angry, like really, really angry mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. point where it's like, I don't know how far I would go with this. Yeah. And, and a lot and that that can be a scary feeling because it's like when those emotions get that way for a lot of people, like you're actually willing to die for something. Right. And that can be that can be a crazy feeling for a lot of people. Yeah. So I spoke at the George Floyd yeah. March, uh, 4000 people, one of the largest assemblies ever in the state. I think it may be the largest um, at the courthouse steps. And I got a lot to lose. You know, I'm well thought of in this community. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can mess that up. But the part of the reason why people rock with me in this community is because I'm genuine and I tell the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the truth. Right. Now, I got one of my, one of my friends is the chief. I got a lot of friends on the PD. A lot of them. You know what I'm saying? And people that I love, that I want to get home, that I care about their safety I care about their quality of life because anybody who really honors that oath is my people. Right. Mm -hmm. People get it messed up. My issue ain't never with any. If you honor that oath, I honor you because there are very rare, few, rare, rare people can do that. And I understand what we're really asking of those folks. Now, there's some imposters that I think undermine the entire system. Those people got to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I got to stand up there and I got to be able to say what it is that I got to say. And even... Before that and after that, there's videos on me, you know, breaking out in tears because it was affecting me that much. And I'm like, I, I'm like everybody else. I'm enraged. Right. And one of the things that hurt me the most in that situation was that even as I'm looking at the video, and even right now it messes with me, I think to myself, would I have had the courage? And would I have had the courage to intervene at the risk of death when they were killing that man? Mm. Or would I have had the courage to record it? And watch while they were killing that man. Right. You know what I mean? Since that video, do we have that rev that revolution that change? No. And even then, it's you know it's only we still talking incremental change. Right. But will we have even had that? What sends that video? If you do jump in there, what does that mean? Does that does that change the tone? Who knows? Yeah. Right? Either decision require courage. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think about that type of mm-hmm. stuff. So when you're standing up there and you're saying whatever it is that you're saying, you could do it for the purposes of being cute, getting some content, but you're playing yourself. Right. And that's how you're going to walk yourself into a bus. So you got to be up on those type of steps, saying those type of things, doing those type of things because you really mean it. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why I felt comfortable doing it is because I'm actually doing it. I be with the police really working on things. I be with the chief really trying to work through things. I really be, I'm, I'm really trying to help get this figured out. Right. Which is get, affords me the ability to be able to talk and not have people immediately be suspicious. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings us into, I mean, really what you've created here in Sioux Falls, something that no one has ever really seen in the community that we're in. Yeah. And that's Think 3D. You know, and, and before we started this podcast, I had asked you a question on really, I mean, on do you take the time to, of course, to take a look back and just sit and just take it all in? Because yeah. you have built something out of nothing, yeah. you know, something that was just a thought at one point of time that has now become a, a true movement. I mean, you're, you're changing things in workplaces, you're changing people's lives and how they think and how they, how they move daily, yeah. you know? So I, I want to actually take it back there and I want to go back to why think 3d, why did you and Tamian decide to create something like this? Yeah. So we were in finance call centers a lot, which is the greatest microcosm of culture, right? Is metrics based, monotony, your traditional kind of gray cube, you know, type of thing. Yep. Um, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. There's all the stuff that makes people go nuts and, and all of the type of things. Um, the way people lead and all that type of thing. And so there's things that we just didn't that we just didn't align with, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that's a consistent thing with me is, is this concept of potential. People have always talked to me about my potential and they always felt like I haven't Connected with my, they say he has so much potential, all the school mm-hmm. conferences. And that used to frustrate me a little bit because people thought I had potential, but they can only see my potential, my potential being applied to what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was the same thing there. Like, see, people saw my potential to speak and how I could affect people. And they just like, oh, my God, you could sell so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could, but it was one of those things where it's like there's certain things I just wasn't going to do because it was gross to me or because it just didn't whatever, you know. And um, and I just knew there was a different way to approach it. There's a different way to lead. There was a different way to create. And, you know, we met a lot of resistance. And there was a lot of things that we were trying to develop that recorded Thing 3D. We were trying to develop while with these organizations. In many cases, mm-hmm. they rejected right. it, you know, or they put it in a in a drawer and they didn't want it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Tammy and I, we used to take trips together because we were, you know, best friends. And so um, uh, we would be rolling and we would be in a car just talking. And we're not ones to complain. We always want to try to figure it out. So we'd be like, all right, I'm trying this. You're trying that. And we would try what each other was doing. Mm-hmm. And we noticed that it worked, man. We was make, having motion. And, and, like, one of my greatest things in terms of being a leader in the corporate environment was one of my team members that was was not a great team member um, when we got when I got there became a star. And uh, she ended up marrying my team lead. And two years after I left the organization, they asked me to marry them. Wow. Mm. I don't care about the stats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just do not care. The fact that my team lead, who um, actually passed away, rest in peace, who at the time applied for the same job, was already on that team, applied for the job, and I got it over him. Mm -hmm. And we created a relationship. And people on my team created a relationship. That they, they wanted me to bind their marriage. Mm-hmm. You understand right. what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, that's that's what that's, 
That's crazy. That's actually what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like, I can't do that here. They don't want that here. Which is the other thing I realized, which is, if you don't like the way these people do business, get out of their business. They don't have to do it the way you want to do it. Right. Don't mm-hmm. sabotage what they're doing. Move around. Mm-hmm. And I had to own that part of it. If you think you, go do, if you, think you could do it better, go do it. Right. If you don't like the way they're doing it, move around. So that's what we did. That's perspective. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we had the 401ks, we had the healthcare, we had all of that stuff, but we wanted to sell funds. So I liquidated everything that I had. And Tame was in a better position because Tame is procedural. He going to be on that path. You know, my brother is going to do what he got to do to achieve. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's going to get the spreadsheet, bop, bop, bop. He's going to follow the steps. He's going to read the books. He's going to do the thing. He's going gonna to do it. So he was on that track. He was going. He was going to go wherever he needed to go. Me, I was still trying to figure my situation. <laughs> I was doing all right, you know what I mean. But it was more of those days where they would like begrudgingly promote me. You yeah, know what I'm like because they did, you know, because it only made sense. And then it was like, bro, I can't. I can't do this. We got to go. We got to do our own thing. And mm-hmm. so I stepped out first. And so for that first nine months, I kind of got out here, beat the streets, used all my relationships that I had from community work because I've been doing community work for you know, 14, 15 years up until that point. So I had a mm-hmm. lot of relationships. So we got to start in a better place than most businesses would start. Yeah. And then Tame came on and and, uh, and then we was rocking. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. How did you guys meet then, you and Tamian? We met, I mean, we knew each other just in the street. I mean, at that time, especially if you was black, like there's no way you didn't know of the person. Right. Mm-hmm. You, back in the day when you used to have the black phone. What I, what I mean by that is, like, people, anytime you saw a black person, people would be like, do you know him? I'm like, what? I'm like, I was like, I'd be like, oh, let me call the black phone and be like, hey, who's this black guy walking in front of yeah. you know? That, so I would make that joke, but that was true a little bit, you right. know? Mm-hmm. So we all knew each other, and we was at the gym, we was at Wood Lake um, Athletic Club, and we was playing basketball, and we just connected, and he asked me to come out, peeped him at one of their shows, and at the time, you know, it was competitive. I wanted to eat everybody's face off, so I really wanted to go there to, you know, be right. like, these dudes suck. Yeah. You know, that's really what was on my mind. And I happened to be at a show where there was some dysfunction between them. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys, you know, decided he wanted to be out the group, and then Tam came with me. He's like, hey, y'all want, you want to rock with us? Um, and people knew I had bars, and they knew I was, just, you know, that guy that way, especially on yeah. the freestyle tip. Like, I wanted to smoke. Right. And at that time, we didn't really have that energy in the city. Mm. And uh, so they asked me to be a part of that. And then, you know, those two, Thomas and, 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 and Tammy, and those are my, you know, my brothers till, till from the womb to the tomb. And then yeah. uh, later, the version of it, which was Young Nobles, mm-hmm. um, which became me, my, uh, uh, me, Tammy, and then Blitz, who right. now works with Dink 3D as well. Yeah. And he was on the podcast in, in season one, uh, Manny Gutierrez. But no, that's dope. I feel like you guys, when I think of of what we're trying to build and what we are building with overstepping poverty and kind of how you guys have done it, um, I was in Leaders of Tomorrow, and you were like, "Yeah, me and me and Tamian, we would meet every week. It didn't matter. We would meet every week." Um, and then Daquan and I started meeting every week. Like right. you know, we we got yeah. literally every week we started meeting um, and just kind of game plan on what we wanted to do. Because I, I, I feel a lot of what you're saying when you talk about how it was growing up. I was never the person that, like, would get in trouble in school. I never really got in trouble, nothing like that. But I, I was the one that would always kind of question what was going on. Yeah. Especially when I got to O'Gorman, my junior year of high school. My first time at a yeah. school like that, private school, coming from Vegas. 
And a lot of the teachings that they would have, you know, I was just thrown into it. I didn't really have that background, but being thrown into it, I had the ability to, to question a lot was going on, um, which helped me learn a lot. But at the same time, there's so much growth in, in those environments. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you it's know? important. And I think it's important to understand that change ain't going to come easy. I think it's important to understand that people don't have to just listen to you. And why should they? I, I tell young people, especially if you if you get to a certain if you get the world the way you want it. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you get the world exactly the way you want it, exactly the way you world you think the world should be, what happens when somebody that is fresh out the womb, fifteen years old, eighteen years old, twenty years old, that hasn't had any of these experiences, walk into your office and be like, "Yeah, this sucks. We need to change all of this." Yeah. You just gonna listen to them mm-hmm. after you spent your whole life getting it like this? Mm-hmm. Right. Of course not. Right. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't have the expectation that somebody just adopt my thinking. Why would I think that? And, and because of the fact that I had to go through those environments where my thinking was unique and people didn't necessarily appreciate it and I had to overcome and challenge and sometimes my thinking just wasn't appreciated in the environment. You right. need to go through those things because you have to, you have to develop the association in your mind mm-hmm. that, that you cannot have an expectation that people just adopt what you into. You have to... Come to those. I don't care if you think you're right. Right. I just made a post the other day where it's like, you know, a lot of times people get righteousness confused as the act of being right versus the act of doing right. Mm. Being right means nothing. It means zero. Because facts are temporary. Pluto was a planet. Now it's not. Mm. And people get to determine how they feel about facts. Hey, 10 point blah, blah, blah of this equals this. Eight, eight out of 10 people do whatever, blah, 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 blah. No, they're not. No, they don't. I don't right. agree. Yeah. Now right. it's your fact mean. Right. Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it don't it's mean all, anything. A lot of so for me, it, again, all of that became clear where it's not about being right. For me, it's about having, you know, the, the, you know it's about outcomes. Mm-hmm. It's about doing right. And if you do right, you do right by people. You do right in the world. And you have the right kind of energy. People are going to respond to you and you're going to be able to change those things. But anytime you walk into a room, if you walk into that room with the expectation that people are just going to get with the program, you're playing yourself. Because right. most of the world, by definition, is average. Not by insult. Mm-hmm. By definition, most of the world is average. So if you're trying to do something extraordinary, the very last thing you should expect is company. Mm. What makes you think everybody going to get with it? Right. <laughs> That's not even how it works. No, not at all. So mm-hmm. once you develop that relationship with it, then you don't you don't resent people for not getting your idea as soon as you say it. You don't resent people for not wanting to jump on the bandwagon as soon as you pull off. I don't expect them to. Right. You will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you don't got it's you right be yet. Too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And that's on you. Right. That's fine. That's on you. You know, actually, what I want to get into just on the Think Three D side of things here yeah. is. I hear Think 3D all around town, mm-hmm. everyone, you know, you know, you know, Vani, you know, Tamian. I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. And, and they are, they're always discussing how you guys are, again, making change in the community. Mm-hmm. So what I want to know and what our listeners also want to know, what I usually hear is what is that overall mission? What is it that you guys want to complete out of this here when you're done and, and you're, it's your time to go? Mm-hmm. What is that that you want people to remember? Uh, for me, it's like um, they're not going to remember me per se, but, you know, my my impact will be felt. And I don't need to understand that dynamic. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't need to know. I don't need to have my name on a park or anything like that. Or you know, I ain't, if I'm not here to see it, whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, it's about number one, creating the highest quality of life possible. This is why we focus on our community. We can go get bags elsewhere. It's profit in your own town type of thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we we struggle to get people to appreciate what we're doing here when we can go to New York or we can go to LA, and people will pay us five times what we get paid here. Right, and they'll roll out the red carpet. Right, mm-hmm. but we still focus on. Our community because this is where I live. This is where you're going to get the most value. You're going to get a 5x return, a 10x return on what you do in your community because that person that I went and talked to their business, I'm going to be in traffic with them later. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? That kid that I coached or that kid that I talked to in this situation, now they're not in my garage. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, all of it actually pays dividends. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like, I care about everything that's happening everywhere in the world. But I don't care about most of it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it all matters to me. Right. But at the end of the day, my, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. And most of the time for me, eight by eight blocks is my experience. And my job is to make sure my eight by eight blocks is one of the best eight by eight blocks in the world. Right. That's what I'm on. My that my experience, that when I walk into a store and I see people that I care about, people that I love, I live above our wine bar across the street from this building and uh, above a Queen City um, bakery coffee shop. My guy that owns that, we went to high school together, Miss Jackson. He's one of my dudes. I love his mind. I love how he thinks. I love his attitude, love his energy. He's a big personality like me. He's a big thinker like me. Some people don't get that. We get it. Mm-hmm, we get each right. other. Every day. I come downstairs before I come to my office, which is across the street, and I have I get a tea that I don't even drink most of the time, mm-hmm. and I laugh with my friend. Right. That's how I start my day every day. What you want the money That's for? That's perfect. Right. What you want the money for? To feel like that. I know so many, so many people who got so much more money than me that think I got more money than them because I enjoy mine. Mm-hmm. Cause I enjoy my. When I go into when I when I walk into a, a, a cocktail situation, and my drink is on the counter before I fully get in space. Say, got you, V. Right. That part. That's relationships. When when, when the police roll by, and they shoot me a salute. Right. Cause they really rock with me. What do you want the money for? I don't care about none of that. I care about investing in the community. So everything that we've done is really about that and raising the level. And what we say is we had a press conference today because we've gone over 500 formerly trained leaders in our Leaders of Tomorrow pro- oh, program. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. And one of the things that we're most proud of in that situation is, is that we said that we don't, we don't want to develop leaders that are going to follow us. Mm-hmm. We're trying to develop leaders that we would follow. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have to hand the key. I know I'm going to slide to the back seat. Somebody else going to drive. I want to make sure that that person is solid. That's a bar. Democrat, Republican, black, white, tall, short, him, her, whatever. Mm -hmm. I want you to be dope. Right. I want you to be compassionate. I want you to be thoughtful. I want you to be loving. I want you to care about yourself. Because if you do that, then I don't have to worry about who's leading. And as we say, I don't want to go to the polls and have to choose between the lesser of two evils. I want to pick between the best of the best. Mm Mm-hmm. I want when somebody come here and they say, where should I go work? I could point at any business, just point, randomly point, and send them to a business where they're going to be taken care of, where they're going to be loved, where they're going to be supported. That's what I want. 
So for me, it's all about that. So I don't really worry about the accomplishments because the community is my accomplishment. You can't take sugar out of cookies. Mm -hmm. I could die a day, die tomorrow, die in two days. You can't take me out of this story. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can't remove the impact that we've had. We've had that's not even talking about what we about to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? That's not even talking about what we about to do. So that's really what the focus is. So it's a living, breathing dream. It doesn't have a limit on it. It doesn't have a finish on it. But the mm-hmm. focus is uh, quality of life, paramount, mine. Mm-hmm. Better you is better for everyone. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm loved, taken care of, make sure my wife is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that is everybody else. No, I love that. And it, a lot of people will say something like that sounds selfish. But I think you should be selfish in yeah. life. You should be worried about yourself, like you just said, and we say it as well. A better you is better for everyone. So if you're not good, it don't matter because you're going to rub the wrong off on everybody else if you ain't taking care of yourself. How many people in your adult life have made a commitment to take care of you? I mean, kind of in our life, adult. I, guess, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it. yeah, it's correct. I mean, say, say whoever, right? So you're supposed One. Right. So one person. In the whole situation, they're going to take care of you. Now, that one person who said that they would take care of you, what is their capability to take care of you if they don't take care of themselves? They have no capability. They have no capability. So even the one person who wants to take care of you can't take care of you unless they take care of themselves. So if other people ain't going to take care of me, who got to take care of me? You. you, me, and if you, can, if somebody can't take care of me, if they don't take care of themselves, which also means I can't take care of those people unless I take care of myself. Who should be taking care of me? Only you, you, me. That's who should be taking care <laughs> of me. Priority. I take care of me. Right. You're not responsible for me. I'm responsible for me. If you give people a responsible over yourself, you give them control over you. Yeah. No one has control over me because I'm responsible for me. You know what I mean? Like if you read about me in the paper and I did something sideways, I did it. Facts. Right. Nobody made me do anything because can't nobody make me do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I did it. No. And I feel that way about everything. So, yes, I take care of me. I Listen, I take a solo location every quarter. Every quarter I get on a plane. I fly to a place by myself mm-hmm. without my wife, without my business partner. I get a boutique hotel or something. I sit and I write. I go do whatever. I box. And so I go train at different gyms and learn from different people. That's dope. And that's a business need. That's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a marriage need. How do you feel that helps you? Oh my God, bro. <laughs> first of all, like when me and my wife first start talking about it, one of the things I always tell her is that this is not me not wanting to be with you. This is me wanting to be with me. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're moving all the time, you have so many voices in your head, you don't realize how many of them are not yours. Right. Man. A lot of voices in your head. Right. A lot of them are not yours. Not to mention a lot of people try to stay busy on purpose because they don't want to allow their emotions and their feelings and their thoughts to catch up with them. You see, if you stay on the move, you ain't got to deal with that thing you don't want to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. If you stay on the move, you don't have to overcome that thing you don't want to overcome. So sometimes I sit in the hotel, I might just cry for half a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's real though. I got I to gotta work through the situation. I harbor a lot of energy. So I'm doing one-on-ones with people talking about things that are heavy. And I'm trying to help people have a breakthrough. And most people want me to be motivational or inspirational. Even if they see me in a grocery store, they have an expectation even if they never met me, of what their experience is going to be like with me based on what they heard from somebody else, right. the content that we put out. Mm-hmm. And we try to put all that stuff out authentically so we never misrepresent who you're actually going to get when you bump into me at the grocery store. Right. But it's still the reality of it. And I'm harboring a lot of things. So there's a lot of people who are having breakthroughs and they're being limited by traumas or things that happen in their life or are happening in their life. And I absorb a lot of that energy. And sometimes I just got to go figure my shit out. Right. And what happens when you can't do that? 
You're what happens when self-destruct? You're diminished, and so your ability to help everybody else is diminished, and that's going to come out of you in ways that are likely to be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. The way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your people, the way you treat the community is likely to be unhealthy if you don't take care of yourself, which is why we say a better you is better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? And health is wealth. To yeah. all the listeners, I mean, yeah. health is wealth. Again, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. So. 100. It's just yeah. 100. And again, what, you know, what kind of goofiness have we even developed to be able to say that you shouldn't love you? Mm-hmm. That you shouldn't have standards for you. That mm-hmm. you shouldn't. Well, everybody has an you. opinion now, right? Right, and everybody can freely voice their opinion through social media. And a lot of times, when you are somebody that is doing good, striving to do better, you get a lot of hate. For you sure. know, for wanting to do more and wanting to do, to be better. But sure. Um, and, and here's what one of the I just want to touch on this real quick because as I'm working through this in myself. I'm getting more and more mature, and I'm starting to realize that in most cases, some cases it's pure hate. In most cases, it's not hate. It's love. Mm. I experience it sometimes. Most heat I get from almost anything that I do is normally from people of color and normally people of color that know me. That's normally where we get most of our energy mm. for a lot of reasons. You know what I'm saying? Um, because, you know, we off doing our thing. Sometimes we don't be around no more. Right. You know? Right. And sometimes when I come back around, I might be, have an energy because I expect energy. Mm-hmm. But almost 100% of the time that I'm pulled back around, people are happy to see me. They miss me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, what I have to challenge is, is that the only way for them to see me is for me to come where they at mm. versus them coming where I'm at. Right. Mm-hmm. So I challenge that idea. That's not all on me. This call, this phone work both ways. Right. Mm-hmm. You can come over here mm-hmm. and I like it over here better. Mm-hmm. I like it over here more than you like it over there. So why wouldn't you come over here? Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all that, all that type of stuff. But and most of the time, bro, it ain't even hate. It's love. They trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. Yeah. And anytime, and people, people find it easier to love somebody that lose all the time than it is to love somebody that win all the time. Right. It's easier to like the Pirates than the Yankees. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's just what it it's is. True. You know what I mean? Like people, you know, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. And 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 it just it's a mirror that's holding up to you all the time where you keep seeing these people that you have access to, these people that you know do things. It just make you evaluate what you're doing. And nobody really likes doing that type of forced introspection. Right. Which is why we tell people to do willing introspection. So you ain't got to be mad at me, bro. You still get to decide what you're doing with your day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What you mad at me for? Right. Anybody that know me know I can make a much, much bigger bag. Yeah. With my skill set and what I could do. I, I keep it here because I love here. And so most of the time it's love. And I want people just to start thinking about that because sometimes, sometimes when people really love you and they don't know how to deal with you, mm-hmm. it, it, it can easily be perceived as hate. Right. For sure. Right. That's big. That yeah. is. Especially as people grow, you know, we talked about it before the podcast. People grow and they end up going different ways. Right. And I feel like at some point there is a bit of animosity just because, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to get better. So that is a good perspective because I've, I've experienced that. Um, in the recent past where it kind of feels like you're being a little misunderstood just because it's like, I'm just trying to do better. It's hard. But for you, it it feels like growing. For them, it feels like growing apart. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But what we try to get people to think about, there's a difference between you leaving people and them deciding to stay. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can grow with me. For sure. You don't want to get up at five. That's cool. Mm -hmm. You ain't got to. Nobody's telling you to. Yo, you don't want to put this extra little thing in. That's cool. You don't mm-hmm. got to. You don't want to forego the kicks or the or the or the console or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't want to 
staying on a Friday. You don't have to. Right. That's cool. But the result of that is we're all making decisions. Mm-hmm. Some of mine separated, some of yours separated. Mm-hmm. I'll take accountability for mine if you take accountability for yours. Now, what I can say about my decisions is that my decisions are leading us to a place of greater influence, greater impact, and greater opportunity. Mm-hmm. What, your, what some of your choices are doing is keeping you here. Right. Now, if here is where you want to be, have at it. Right. Not for me, though. Mm-hmm. No, that's good perspective for sure. It is. It is. And it actually leads me into our final question for yeah. you there. Um, just everything that every guest that we have on, we ask them this question, and that's what does overstepping poverty mean to you? All right, this is not me being cute, but this is why I want to give cats like for me, even when we talk about overstepping poverty, man, it's just it, the biggest thing is understanding that you're not poor. Mm-hmm. You got enough because you enough. Right. And everything that people used to tell me was my disadvantage is my advantage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd be around people who, who fold instantly as soon as they meet pressure. They weren't raised in pressure. Right. I got people who don't appreciate what they have because they ain't never not have. I know people who, who can't vision the thing because they didn't have to imagine mm-hmm. their reality. It was there. I thought those people were advantaged. Those people were disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Right. Those people were robbed of the opportunity, a dog. Mm-hmm. They, were right, they were robbed of the opportunity of being able to develop that thing where it's like, most of the people don't enjoy what they have because they're so afraid to lose it. That's why they cling on it. That's why they have to, they have to absorb all of it. People want so much money, they can't F it up. Scarcity. And they got to take it all. Right. They got to have it all. They got to have it. And, and they alienate people and do all those other type of things. Well, when, you, when you go through those type of things, when you come from those type of environments and those type of circumstances, I'm not tripping off of none of that. You could take everything I have and I will get it back. Right. Because I got it the first time and I didn't even know how. Now I do. Right. You can take it all. <laughs> For real. Every single, all of it. I'll get it back. Mm-hmm. I'll get it back. So for me, when it, it's like I just wasn't poor and I couldn't see the blessing. And, and it, of course, poverty and all that. It's just hard to see the blessing in that. Right. But I have the benefit of reflection. I live long enough to be able to look back and like I just see that God ain't give me nothing I didn't need. Not even a burden I couldn't bear. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't get anything I didn't need. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I need everything because I know I don't know any other way to produce this, and I'm happy with this. Right. And I always tell people if you're happy with where you at, how mad can you be about how you got there? You can. That's real. You right. know what I'm saying? So I don't have, I don't have, my daddy won in my life. This thing, I, I harbor no ill will to anyone because mm-hmm. it got me here. Facts. So. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. So oh. that actually takes us into our next part of our episode here, um, what we call is roundtable. Yeah. This is where you can ask us questions, yeah. get some things out on the table that you've been wondering about. So fire away. Yeah. Well, first of all, how y'all feeling about this? This is dope. Yes. What, what made you want to get this popping? Where, where y'all want to take this? Well, this, I mean, honestly, if I could, if I can really imagine it, I could leave my job tomorrow and do this mm-hmm. for my daily, every single day. Yeah. I do it. And that's yeah. what I'm working towards. And sure. I don't care if they hear it. That's what I'm, it's something that I love. Yeah, it's I something I love more than my own job. The only difference is, is of course, I do have 
obligations, you know? So uh, I'm fulfilling those obligations while I'm still trying to make something out of, out of this here. Um, now what I see as far as in the future and what it beholds for us is that it's not only just our community. I do want to take care of the community first, but I also want to make sure that I branch out because there's other stories out there that are just like yours that need to be heard. And so that's mm-hmm. what overstepping poverty is, is it's to have someone on the podcast and then a different listener can connect with them. Mm-hmm. Someone that couldn't connect with that person that we had on the podcast this last time, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And so when they hear that and they're like, you know what? That's right. When you were talking about that dog, you know what I'm saying? Someone just, someone's going to listen and hear that. And they're like, I have that energy. It just mm-hmm. woke me up. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that everyone is able to wake up one day and they, they hear this and they feel, feel just some energy inside them yeah. and it, it's just let out and it's time to just go forward and just take all that. Honestly, that you were granted that, that is yours because mm-hmm. we have no boundaries. We have no, we can get whatever we want when we want. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and so right. that's what I see over seven poverty is going to take some people and their mindset that, that poor me mindset that mm-hmm. I can't do it today because I have this, I can't do it. I, I won't be able to do it. And that's why in the mm. beginning of, in, in this podcast, it's changing that I can't to, I can, or I won't to, I will. That's fact. That's what you need to do. And mm. that's a, that's a, that's an attitude that you have to wake up with every single morning. Cause there's days I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to go to work. Yeah. I don't want to do this, yeah. but it's not just for me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? This is not just for me. Overstepping poverty is not just for me. It's for everyone. It's big. So Mm -hmm. I agree a lot with a lot with the podcast and just overstepping poverty in general. For me, for what it is, it's been one of the best things I ever did in my life. Even if it if it stopped today and we never did another episode, this has easily been one of the best things for a few reasons. It's allowed us to connect with people in our community that I don't know how else I really would have. It's allowed me to do a lot of my own introspection. And I feel like it's been one of the most therapeutic things I've ever done. Yeah. You know, talking about um, my experiences and hearing other people's experiences. And when you hear other people's perspectives and experiences, it's hard to feel bad for yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. because you guys talked about it in Leaders of Tomorrow. If people gave you, put all their problems on the table, you put your problems on the table, how often would you choose somebody else's problems? Not very often. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the podcast in itself, Overstepping Poverty in itself, I absolutely love it. Where I see it going, I think it can go in so many different directions. I think it's something that's going to be known international. Yeah. all over the world it's overstepping poverty and there's poverty mindsets all over the world you mm-hmm. know and i think it's something where we can reach millions of people but at the same time in our community i do want to just inspire people you know i want to instill that motivation for somebody else that push that somebody might have needed to keep going you know we have people like you on here to share your perspectives and I feel like that goes so much further than we ever even will know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with people. Cause there's somebody that's listening to this that will never like this. I'll probably never see them or talk to them, 
but they could have taken something away from this that might change your life. 100%. When Daquan says it's not, it's bigger than just us, it really is because there's a reason why we have the people on here that we do. And I feel like it's because they have a lot of influence. They have a lot of good perspective for people. So just keeping that going and getting people from different areas to really see the type of people we have here yeah. is crazy. You know, it's yeah. a platform. I, I don't think that we really have in Sioux Falls other than us where we have people that look like us and people that don't look like us to come on here and share these stories that really connects us in ways that is hard to because we have so much more in common than mm-hmm. than we think. For sure. Let me ask this. So you have a young family. You starting your family. Congratulations mm-hmm. again. Thank you. What's your aspirations that way? Like the world that they come up in is going to look a lot different than ours. And one of the things I always challenge people on is how much do you want to manufacture hardship, right? Mm-hmm. Like for your kids or whatever. You don't want to necessarily make it hard for them, but we know what that produces. Right. As young fathers, how do you think about developing those skills in them in this new world? Yeah. It's hard. You know, I have I have a son and I have another one that will be here in December. So I have two boys mm-hmm. and you know, I think about the hardship stuff. Actually, when you were talking earlier about the struggle about the foster kids, that's something I was thinking about with my son. Like, how do I get him exposed to real life mm-hmm. for other people? Because I envision him growing up a, a different way than I grew up and you guys grew up, you know, and I think we all would want that for our children. But this, everything that we're doing came from the struggle. What? Came from the struggles that we went through in life. Everything we share, we pour out on the mic. It's from the struggle. So I do think about that uh, with my son. And I think it is a, a big thing of exposing him to different sides of the of mm-hmm. the world. You know, mm-hmm. different sides of the city. I was doing Lyft a few years ago. I was driving Lyft, picked somebody up. I did it for like two days. Picked somebody up on the south side of Sioux Falls. They're going down to Crave. Mm-hmm. And we're at Cliff and 6th Street, and this lady's in the car like, oh, my God, I never come over here. Like, I'm scared to be over here right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, sheltered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you never come over here. You can't even or be the on other this part side of town. town bro. Much <laughs> in Sioux Falls? In my God. In the town. This is one of the safest places on the planet Earth in the history of the planet Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> And but that gave me like perspective that there's still people in Sioux Falls that are scared to go to the east side, you know, and it's it's stuff like that. I want to get my son into a diverse setting. It's something I think about when I think about schooling and stuff like that. Um, You know, I want him to experience the struggles of of life. Mm hmm. But also at the same time, I want to provide an environment that allows him to be himself and grow and do all those things. So it, <laughs> it's kind thing. of a catch. So it's <laughs> hard. It's hard. Right. You know, as you said there, I haven't actually started my family yet, but I am going to have one here soon. And I'm extremely oh, you started blessed. Your family. I, well, yes, yeah, I have. Is my apologies. Right yes, that is that is true. Again, I'm I'm super giddy about that. But I thought about it a ton of uh, all the time, and I'm just like, okay, listen. What do I want to change from when I was growing up that I can make sure that my kid doesn't go through those same battles, you know, whether it's mentally, physically, financially, 
I think about that. And I'm, and I also think about, well, when my kid grows up, he's also going to have to overcome some things, you know, some hardships, this men, this mentality. And so then I fall back to what we're doing here as far as over seven poverty and the podcast. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing that won't go away that I feel like won't go away. That's the internet. So on the internet, you'll always be able to find information and and information you'll find intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everything that we're doing here is going to provide intelligence for that next generation, Mm. you know? And it's just like when we've listened to like Bob Proctor, you know, the things that he says that really resonates with us where to some other people are like, this is some old dude just talking on the mic. But Mm -hmm. to me, I'm like, wow, he just, he just told me that I need to get up. I need to make the money. I need to come back. I need to do something that I feel like and create my own and then share that with the world. So then what I see is, is one day my kid's going to wake up. He's going to go to YouTube. He's going to find this podcast and he's going to be like, dang, he said some, some good shit there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And my dad had a different mentality. He, he was a dog. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what? When I really think about it, in any negative situation that he was in, he turned it positive. Mm. And so what does that mean to me? Those hardships, there's nothing that's going to be hard for him because he's going to have an instilled work ethic, a mindset, and just a mentality just to mm. be able to go out there and do whatever he wants, mm. you know? So, and that's just being in the world in itself yeah. and learning and adapting to everything. Right. So that's, I mean, that's my mindset on it. Yeah. No, I do that. I do that. Where y'all want to be, man? I talk to teachers about this. When we we, mm-hmm. we do some training with teachers, and one of the things we tell them is, is like, you know, we've done a lot of damage to young people mm-hmm. by asking them one question, which is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because we develop generations of people who think you just get to be shit. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to be anything. What right. we really should be asking people is, what do you want to become? Mm-hmm. Because there's a process in that. So let me ask y'all that question. What do you want to become? That's a great question. That is. You know, I feel like when I think of what I want to become, it's been what I wanted to become since I read the book, honestly, um, The Go-Giver. I want to be the connector for people. Mm -hmm. I want to be the, I want to be, and this might sound a little selfish, I want to be the person that people need for a connection or, hey, Zacchaeus, who can I talk to about this? Mm -hmm. Kind of like a resource for people, you know, to connect and bring people together. Ultimately, I want to bring people together. I think there's so much hate in the world. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much negativity in the world that is just thrown in our faces every single day. I want to be that light for people. I want to be a bright spot in somebody's day. I want to help people grow. Um, honestly, a lot of what you guys do with Think 3D mm-hmm. is is what I want to do. Is yeah. change the dynamic of our community and connect people in a way that creates a safe environment for my children. Right. You know, you guys going into the schools and working with the teachers and stuff like that. That makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about sending my son right, right. to a school in Sioux right. Falls. So, you know, having impact like that, I think that's huge, and I think it goes over. A lot of people's head it might even go over your guys's because we don't ever really truly understand the impact that right. we have but yeah i just want to make this a better place mm-hmm. no, i love that uh one of the things we always say is it's better to be the connector than the connected mm. um a lot of people when they think about their network they think about their one-to-one relate relationship all of these people are in their network and all of that energy is coming at them 
something you want to avoid because that means you have to service all of those relationships because all those individual relationships are quid pro quo. You do something for me, I got to do something mm-hmm. for you. So now you got all the favors out there versus having a situation where you're in a network where you connect to somebody with a passion, with somebody with an opportunity, somebody with a skill, with somebody with a need. Now that network becomes broader and can affect you in ways that you don't. Mm. And now you go from a quid pro quo where that one person might be have a you know a favor for you or might feel indebted to you or whatever versus a situation where you didn't even have to service the thing, but now you have two people who are grateful. Mm-hmm. That's the power of being an effective connector. Because I get you to this person, I didn't do none of that. This person right. fixed your car, but you both, you you thankful for the business, you thankful for the me- mechanic. Mm-hmm. It, it was better to be the connected than the connected. Mm-hmm. So that's dope. Right. You know, that's a, I feel like a very open question for me. And I'm going to brag a little bit here because I, I truly believe that I can be whatever I want to be, mm-hmm. period. All it does is take a little bit of work and effort. Ethic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, work and effort. Ethic helps. That works as well. <laughs> but um, I'm just going to leave it as I just want to become better than I was yesterday. Bars. You know, so and I know at the end of the day, wherever I end up at, it's exactly in the position that I need to be, where I was supposed to be and where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I like better that. than I was yesterday. Yeah. Mike drop. What about you? Where do you where do you see yourself going? Well, I'm more in that lane, you know, so what I, you know, what I say is, is that if you see me tomorrow, you'll see me better. Mm-hmm. I don't put lids on my situation. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is for me to become. You know what I mean? Like, right. and so for me, it's like, as long as I keep moving and I get better every day, who knows what the world is going to look like in five years, 10 years, 15 mm-hmm. years, 20 years. So I don't even, right. I don't even try to get into all of that. But for me, it's really about becoming better and, um, what we call, you know, refinement. And refinement is a removal of impurities. Mm. It's not about you being a different person. It's about you being a better person. Mm. So if a person removes their impurities that they deem as impurities, so their anxiety, their bitterness, their frustration, their anger, their smallness, their pettiness, their jealousy, the comparison, if you remove any of those things, you immediately mm. make the thing better. Mm-hmm. It's the removal of impurities. When you when you have gold, you put it you put it under stress to to separate. Mm-hmm. The impurities, and then you work with what's left. In order right. that, that's a harsh process, but what happens is the removal of impurities, which creates purity. And so, for me, is is um is just removal of impurities. You know, I try to identify something in myself that I'm not satisfied with myself. I try to identify something that I don't think is healthy, mm. and then um I try to eliminate it. I try to refine. Yep. It. That's yep. dope. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I've got. One last ask for you. Yeah. And that is that we ask everyone, again, when they're on here, we need five tips, tricks, and hacks that you would tell someone in overstepping poverty. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would tell you, like, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I would tell, I would give people the disclaimer. is like, don't don't think of this as a tip, trick, or hack because this is a, these are lifestyle things. Mm. Right. And um, the first one being a better you is better for everyone. It's paramount. Like we talked about all those mm-hmm. different type of things. Second thing is 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 um, your brand has to be authenticity. Don't sell people something that you can't give them consistently. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not selling people on who you are, you're creating a situation where you got to be fake, mm-hmm. and that's untenable. Right. So um, authenticity has to be um, your brand. Refinement, mm-hmm. you know, again, work on removing those um, impurities and all of those other type of things. A culture will emerge, whether intended or not, but if it's not mm-hmm. one that you invest in, it'll be one that you pay for. So I don't mm-hmm. care what environment you occupy, whether it be your home, your business, your community, 
or your state, whatever scope you want to look at it, it it's your responsibility at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And the culture is going to be there regardless. The question is, is it one of your design? Is it one of intention? Is it one of purpose right. um, that you need to be thoughtful about? Was that four? Right That's there? four, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, five is, 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 you know, move something forward. Each and every day you just got to move something forward. You don't have to do it all. People use doing it all as an excuse to do nothing because obviously you can't do it all. So right. you want to do as much as you can and you want to move something forward at every opportunity that you can. And as long as you do that, you're going to be in a place where a lot of people have never been to. And that is uh, inconsistent progress, which right. for us is the definition of success. Right. I love, love it. that. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Giving us, allowing us to come into your space as well. Beautiful place here. Think 3D Solutions. If you haven't heard, you definitely need to tap in with them. They got stuff on YouTube. They got stuff on all social media platforms. Um, so big thank you to you for coming on. Absolutely. Well, thank pleasure. you. Thank yeah. you. Until next week, we'll see you guys on Overstepping Poverty. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.